0: I have been running the sound for multiple years now and had aggravated every pastor that had stand up here, a preacher, and now I get it. <laughs> um, I don't think you could have a church service and start it off without prayer or without starting it off with prayer. So let's go to the throne of the Lord. Our Heavenly Father, I come to you today, Lord, and I thank you for the opportunity to be in your house, Lord. As the Bible says, I was glad when they said, let us go into the house of the Lord. I thank you for this opportunity to stand before your people and give them the word. I thank you, Lord, for everything that you do and for your son, Lord. And that each of us, Lord, as we go throughout our lives, our walk gets closer and closer to you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So at church camp, our theme was walking with God. And I first wanted to say, because I didn't get to say it very much this morning, I am. It was a wonderful camp. The spirit there was unlike anything I had ever seen before. All the kids behaved themselves so well. I was at first I did not say privilege, but by the end of it I realized it was a privilege. I was the only counselor in the dorm with all the boys, and at first that was I felt like that was a little much for my first year, but as It went through, I realized the sweet spirit all those boys had and how well all of them listened and received. And there was two nights specifically when I was telling everyone it's time to go to bed. Somebody asked, Sam, can we pray before we go to bed? They wanted all of us to come together and pray before they went to bed. I had never had that happen before at camp. Everyone's finally like, thank goodness they stopped talking. We can get some sleep. But this year they were time to go to bed, and everyone's like, why don't we open up our Bible? Why don't we pray before we go to bed and just stuff like that was so special to me and i had the opportunity to preach on enoch a man who the bible describes as someone who pleased god a man who it says walked with god walking with god is a vast mountain at least the topic of it is and it feels like through christianity it feels like a vast mountain sometimes having to walk up it knowing that the only person stopping us from falling back down that mountain is our savior but just the total topic of walking with god and as i found out through that camp and i've talked to multiple people since then i think we could have one or two more tent camps on the subject because there's so many people we did not talk about and the fact that everybody who believes on the lord has a walk with god it's not only special people through the bible like enoch david moses just to name a few every christian who believes in some way or another has a walk with god i take an example i've had two dogs in my entire life i had a little teacup yorkie named megan and now i have a five-month-old pitbull <laughs> and they're both super sweet dogs but the thing about megan i could walk around the entire block without a leash on her i would be walking she'd be walking right beside me And every now and then she'd stop and want to smell something. And I'd be like, okay, well, let's keep going. And she'd go. Never needed a leash. My puppy that I have, I can't get him out the door without a leash on. And I think that also demonstrates, because I believe Megan's two years old now. So she had some experience about her walking. So she was more willing to, okay, I understand we've got to go around the block, so let's go around the block. My dog, my dog right now is six months old. He hasn't been around the block very many times. So when you're just trying to get him out the door, at least, he just sits there. You're pulling on his collar and he, he sometimes I literally have to drag him out the door to get him to go outside. Is that not Christianity? How many times has God like, okay, we gotta go walk around the block. And you're just sitting there frozen at the door. And you don't wanna go, because you don't know what's outside today. You don't know, my dog doesn't know, is there another animal out there? What's the weather like outside right now? Don't, if anyone ever tells you dogs don't get hot and cold, they're lying. Because if you have your room too cold, they'll start whining. If you have it too hot, they'll start whining. So they're like, I know today, he was like, it is 100 degrees outside. There ain't no way I'm going outside right now. Is that not Christian sometimes? God's like, okay, we've got to go outside. Are you, are you insane? It's 100 degrees outside. There's no way I'm going out those doors. How many times as Christians do we do something like that? I think of some of the people in the Bible, though, that were a little more willing to walk through that door. The first one to ever walk with God was Adam. It says in the garden he walked with God. Now, his was a different sense because when he walked with God, there was no sin with either one of them. Now, God will never have sin. It's just on your part that you'll mess up like Adam and Eve did. But then the next person, the seventh from Adam, is who I'll be talking about today, Enoch. Or as is in his time, it was pronounced Enoch. But I think if so many other people in the Bible think of Abraham next, David, Moses, Elijah, those are just the people in the Old Testament, and that was just, that's just five people from the Old Testament, the entire Old Testament full of different people who had different walks with God, and each one of them took a different path. Once again, that's Christianity. Each path we take has a different walk in store for us. There's no two people who's taking the exact same route through life. I think of something my dad said once. Enoch was so heavenly minded. He was no earthly good. And that's why. God just took him. I want to first go to. First Thessalonians 4.1. If you will with me today. First Thessalonians 4.1. Says. Furthermore. Then we beseech you brethren. And exhort you. By the Lord Jesus, that as ye have received of us how ye ought to walk and to please God, so ye would abound more and more. So in the, throughout the course of the Bible, you've received instructions. The entire Bible is in instruction manual, if you will, on how you are to please and to walk with God. And find it interesting there, it does say, please God, doesn't it? We'll talk about that later here as Enoch was a man described, that he pleased God. And the word abound there, if you notice, what that word abound means is to stay in one place continuously. So if it says abound more and more, it's meaning to spend somewhere a lot of time, and spending somewhere a lot of time more and more. Building up so much time, and I think it's talking about in the word and around God, that... You have so much thinking about the Lord, and you have so much going on in your mind about the things of God, that you couldn't even. And the Bible says that we we hide the word in our heart that we might not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Think about what the Bible talks about multiple times. It talks in Psalms how I hide uh, your lamp is to uh, your lamp is a light unto my you are a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Sorry, but just an excellent illustration at church camp. how You have a path, and if it's a pitch black room. And all you have is a tiny lantern that covers right in front of your feet. Well, that's so you don't stumble on your face right in front of you. But then you also have a light at the very end of that path. You don't see anything else on the path except what's right in front of you and right at the end. Same in Christianity. We know what's at the very end. Jesus. And we can see what's right in front of us right now. We're at church right now. But sometimes in your life, it's even harder to see right in front of you. And some of you that's lived longer than me, and I think that's actually almost everyone in this room, but... You notice the more you're in the Bible, the more it helps understanding your surroundings that you're in and gives you a better peace about the surroundings that you're in. So now that we have that verse, and I want you, as I uh, speak today, to keep that verse in mind, how you ought to walk and to please God. And now let's meet the man in the Bible that says he had a testimony who pleased God in Genesis chapter 5 is where we meet the man known as Enoch. And bear with me here, I'm going to do a little bit of reading. I'm going to do uh, verse 1 through 24. So Genesis chapter 5, 1 through 24 says, This is the book of the generations of Adam. In the day that God created man in the likeness of God, made he him. Male and female created, the, created he them, and blessed them, and called their name Adam. And in the day that they were created, and Adam lived a hundred and thirty years, and begat a son in his own likeness, after his image, and called his name Seth. In the days of Adam he had begotten a Seth were 800 years, and he begotten sons and daughters. And all the days of Adam lived were 930 years, and he died. And Seth lived a 105 years, and begat Enos. And Seth lived after he begat Enos 807 years, and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Seth were 900 ye- 912 years, and he died. And Enos lived 90 Years and begat Canaan, and Enos lived after he begat Canaan eight hundred and fifty years, fifteen years. Sorry, and begat sons and daughters, and all the days of Enos were nine hundred and five years, and he died. And Canaan lived seventy years and begat Mahalalel, and Canaan lived after he begat Mahalalel eight hundred and forty years and begat sons and daughters, and all the days of Canaan were nine hundred and ten years, and he died. And Mahalalel lived sixty and five years and begat Jared. Mahalalel Sorry and Mahalil lived after he begat Jared 830 years, and begat sons and daughters, and all the days of Mahalil were 890 and five years, and died. And Jared lived a 160 and two years, and begat Enoch. And Jared lived after he begat Enoch 800 years, and begat sons and daughters, and all the days of Jared were 960 and two years, and he died. And Enoch lived 60 and five years, and begat Methuselah, And Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah three hundred years, and begat sons and daughters, and all the days of Enoch were three hundred and sixty and five. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. So it says there, and if you pay attention to the wording, it says, Enoch began to walk with God after he begat Methuselah. And then if you see that in verse uh, 22, it says, and walked with God after he begat Methuselah three hundred years, and begat sons and daughters. then notice very closely at 24 and that's kind of the important part and that was the text i had at church camp and enoch walked with god so i've talked to you a little bit about our christian walk with god using our dogs my dogs as illustrations of what the attitude you can have about it is but what does it really mean to walk with god and josh is here today i'm not going to have you come up today but at church camp i had him come up and i blindfolded him okay and I had him walk beside me, but in front of him I put a couple chairs, a little podium in the way, put some stuff in the way around him. And he could not see what was in front of him. And so I had him just walk towards the sound of my voice, I stood over here, he was over there, all these obstacles in the way. Like, okay, come over here. Well, he hit everything in the way, believe it or not, and, could, and was stumbling and having a hard time getting over it. Well, okay, so then the next time I stood next to him. Said, okay, take a step, stop, step to the side, step forward, step over here, go around this. And we went through, and he did not hit anything, because I was guiding him through it. Well, Enoch, or not Enoch, sorry, Josh, was walking with Sam. Same way Enoch walked with God. If you try to go through this life, and you will get to the other end, believe it or not, God has a set goal for you, and there is no way around getting to that goal. You're going to get there one way or another. You kind of got a choice here you can hit everything in the way walking by yourself saying I got this I've 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 been here a good amount of time I know what I'm doing I can get through this pretty easily and you go through and then you hit everything on the way and it's annoying and it's difficult because around every turn you seem to hit something else and you eventually like they do in the cartoons they're running and they hit the light pole because they weren't paying attention to where they were going but when you walk with God Do you think God knows those trials set in front of you? Yes, because he put them there. So God knows what's in front of you because he's the one who placed it there. Same way I placed placed those things in front of Josh. I knew where they were. And I could also see the path ahead. God not only placed the path ahead of you, he can still see it. So when you let him guide you and you're in his word and you're walking with him opposed to just trying to do it by yourself, you get through all those obstacles a lot easier. Because... No matter what you do, those obstacles are still going to be there. You know who you can ask for that? Job. Job had a pretty good attitude for most of his time going through those trials. Well, he had a good attitude. Did he still go through all those trials? He had the, the first time those trials came and Satan asked the Lord if he could do all this stuff to Job. And God said yes. Job had a very good attitude the first time. Did that prevent the second wave from coming no job still had to go through that did that prevent his friends from coming later going you must be a pretty bad person if god's going to do all this to you you're acting all this jazz but really you must have some pretty bad stuff behind the scenes if god's going to be treating you like this and if you've never fully read the book of job i encourage it because there's a lot of great stuff that job says there And his response to both his friends and just to the general trials. And one of my favorite verses in the Bible is, Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. And that was Job's response. But he still went through more after he said that. So it doesn't matter how much confidence you have. It's just and how much attitude and the feel you have about it. Because those trials are still going to come. But it's a continual walking with God. I talked to a lot of kids in one of the uh, nightly devotions we had, and I asked them, "What is what are some things you think you could do to help get you closer to God and a closer walk with Him?" And I actually had a lot of great responses. A lot of people, and some, some of them, some of the littler kids. And you love what you get out of the littler kids because they'll be really honest with you because they haven't been through all that stuff yet. So they'll just say what the Bible actually says. And trying to sign, you know, they'll try to sometimes we'll try to milk the Bible a little bit. So we'll be like. Well, I know what it says, but that's too hard to do. So I'm not going to say that that's what that says, because that's just too hard to do. Well, those little kids, that's why the Bible talks about a childlike faith. One of them said, well, what if we loved all our enemies? Well, <laughs> oh, that's an easy one. Yeah, that's, that's a real, I do that every day. Anybody do that every day? I don't think so. I was a, and I, saw, I heard him. I was like, that's good. That's not easy, but that's good, and that's true. If you love all your enemies, you're going to have a closer walk with God, because that's one of his commandments. But a majority of them said and it is the fact of the matter is I should pray more and I should read my Bible more because can you walk with somebody that you only talk to once every three years not a very good walk is it can you really trust somebody that you don't have you' never really talked to before or haven't talked to that much I mean obviously there's exceptions you know but For the general rule of thumb, can you trust somebody to lead you down that path? What if Josh had never met me before? Do you think he would have been so willing to be blindfolded through that obstacle course? No, but I've known Josh for a few years now, so he was a little reluctant, but he still trusted me enough to let me guide him through it. And as Christians, we can be a little reluctant sometimes. Not every time, we're a little reluctant. We're going through something, we're like, I don't really want to do that. But if we're continuously talking to God, a two-way conversation, as Dan said this morning, both praying and both reading, a two-way conversation with God, then we're a little bit more confident to walk that path with Him. Because we know, in His words, the promises He has set for us. And that's how we can trust Him and be so confident as we walk through it. That was one of the class topics, was walking confidently with God. Knowing that Verses where it says, and like Dan said this morning, with man it's impossible. With God it or with God it is not. So we know that is true. That's where we can have confidence to walk through those paths. Because we know that with man, the things that we're trying to do and the things we're trying to get done is impossible. And the main one is salvation. Who here that saved, did you save yourself? When you're drowning in an ocean, how good are you at throwing that life preserver out to you? It's pretty hard, isn't it? When you're struggling, going underwater, uh, let me just get on the boat real quick, throw that back out there, then I'll jump back in. (laughs) Not how that works, does it? Somebody, there's a song we sing, throw out the lifeline. And that's a perfect example. Because when we're sinking in that vast ocean, what are we going to do? Nothing. (laughs) There is nothing you are going to do. You can do it a little bit, you can swim for a little bit, eventually you're going to get tired. The same way I was talking about here. You can walk. For a little bit, but you are going to hit every obstacle in front of you. You might, out of luck, miss the tiny little pole in the way. You might bump a little bit and you're like, oh, I can walk around that. What are you going to do when there's a a bench in the way and you've got to find out the way to step over it? You're going to do nothing but fall on your face. And that's what walking with God is. How do you really walk with God though like I said you have to read your Bible and you have to pray because that's a two way conversation but you have to trust you have to trust God that he is going to get you through it what's another word for trust faith Hebrews 11 5 and 6 I said, Enoch walked with God. And like I said, you have to trust somebody to walk with them. Another word for trust is faith. So Hebrews 11, a lot of people refer to it as the hall of faith. I really like that, actually. Because it talks about all these different people that walked by faith. In verse 5, by faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death. And was not found, because God had translated him, for by his his translation, sorry, for before his translation, he had this testimony, that he pleased God. Remember what I said earlier, how he is one of the only people in the Bible that was described as someone who pleased God. His testimony, what he did on this earth, pleased our Lord. And then in verse 6. What did he do? What was his testimony that pleased the Lord? In verse 6. But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. And that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So if he had. And to me I put two and two together here. If he has a testimony. That pleased God. Then in verse 6 says. Well it's impossible. To please God. Without faith. So that means tell me you must have had faith. Yes. If you please God, and you can't please God without faith, then you had to have faith. But at the start of verse 5, it says, by faith. Yes. By trusting God. Throughout what he did in his life, he trusted God. Yes. So then you ask, I said, you've got to trust. That's what faith means. In verse 1, it gives you a really good de- definition of faith. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, and the evidence of things not seen. I've had somebody ask... <laughs> I always find a silly question when someone who says, "What is faith?" Like, have you ever read Hebrews eleven? Because it tells you in the opening sentence what faith is. And I've heard a really good sermon on that: the substance of things hoped for. So this is a substance. This here, what is a substance? This is a substance of things hoped for. So what it is, its very existence, is things that are hoped for, and the evidence of things not seen so what is something that is evident that is not seen how about your salvation do you literally see someone saved when God comes into their life changes their heart changes their attitude and sends them in a 180 on the other path you don't physically see that but it's the evidence in it. it says you know them by their fruit when they're turned the other direction it starts to show up in their life what they do and how they act so it's the evidence of things not seen so we see that that's happening same thing in Enoch's case I promise you and there's not a lot of detail about Enoch but I promise you there had to been something in his life that the Lord worked out that he didn't see the working behind it because it said he had faith (laughs) and that's what faith is so I tell you that had to have happened because you can't have faith if faith doesn't exist pretty simple to me So it's the very substance things hoped for, and it's the evidence of things not seen. So the stuff that you're hoping is true. Now, when you say that you hope God's real, it's a little more than that because we know he's real. But we don't see him. So I guess you can call it a hope. But we know that he's true because we see what happens around us. But that is exactly what faith is because it's the evidence we see the stuff around him. We pray for somebody who probably should die the next week because of their medical condition and their medical situation. And then a month later we see them running around the street. Well, That is the evidence of things not seen. We didn't see exactly what happened inside of them that changed that condition that they're in. But we see them running sprints the next week. So we know that something happened. And that is also what we hope for that guy to get better. So it's all in the same aspect. And that's what Enoch had. Faith is not merely praying upon your knees at night. Faith is not merely straying through the darkness until the light. Faith is not merely waiting upon the glory that may be. Faith is not hating the sinful things of this earth. Faith is a brave endurer and a splendid enterprise and the strength to serve whatever conditions may arise. Every time I think of that, and I hope you don't mind if I think of Justin, this church has been through so much in this last year, and I just can't help but seeing every time something shows up, Justin gets up and takes it on. Because he has faith in God. He knows that God's going to work it out. So he just runs at it, <laughs> trusting that God's going to work it out, however it might come about. And not just Justin. I think of Greg and all these different people in this church – that have come together to try to get through this last year of utter chaos. And God has preserved it. Actually, now I think about it, over a year. Because that's what faith is. Everybody in this church is trusting that God's got something on the other side. So we're holding fast. We're standing strong knowing that something's On the other side. Talking about that light at the end. We know what's down there. We just don't know how on earth we're going to get there. But we're taking step by step because that's all the light that we have. Back to thinking about Enoch. The people, it describes people in Noah's time as horribly wicked. And there's just no good on the earth at all. Well, Enoch, when he died, was only 100 years before Noah was born. I did some math today studying that out. It was somewhere around 100 years after Enoch died, Noah was born. Do you think the earth just took a decline after Enoch died? Probably not. So my guess is that it wasn't in a great state already. But Enoch continued to preach, to minister, and to prophesy because he had faith in what God had planned. He looked around and he saw the troublesome world that he was in. And saw that there was not a much hope for it. But he trusted what's coming at the end. And I, like I said, his faith was so strong that it actually pleased God. talking about how I mentioned how he continued to preach and to prophesy and to minister. The reason I say that is because Enoch was the first prophet. Because if you look at his descendants, none of them were prophets. Cain's generation could not have had prophets. Abel, none none in the Bible did Abel. There's no record in the Bible that Abel had any children. So it wasn't of Abel's generation, the first prophet didn't come out of that because there wasn't any. It definitely wasn't out of Cain's, so it had to be out of Seth's. And Enoch was the first prophet in his line. And in Jude 14, it says that he prophesied the second coming of Christ. It was the context. And it prophes. and he said that he prophesied judgment upon the wicked. And I can't help but put two and two together that a few hundred years after that prophecy, the world was destroyed by water for what reason it was wicked now the judgment he was prophesying was the one when Christ comes back that's the judgment he was prophesying but I can't help but see that it happened in his time as well that's not a coincidence by the way God doesn't do such thing as coincidences but it was a double-sided message that he gave him he gave it to him for Christ's second coming but it was also kind of a warning for those people there that wickedness equals judgment. Right. The two and two go together. You cannot have a righteous God and not have judgment for wickedness. Okay. So the earth was so wicked that God destroyed everything but Noah and his family and two of every animal because he was just done with it. And it's so fascinating. And it's, it's a sermon for another time because I don't have the time for this. But the Bible talks about how he had regret. Now, God doesn't make mistakes, but the Bible does say that he regretted making humanity when he saw their wickedness. And my favorite word in the Bible is the word, but, because right after that, it says, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. (laughs) The world was so wicked, he was going to destroy it all. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. It is interesting that Enoch was also Noah's great-grandfather. That's why I said it's a few hundred years different. That's what I mentioned earlier. I don't think it was a much more receptive crowd. Because talk about how the people didn't really listen to Noah. I don't think Enoch had much more of a receptive crowd. And those of you who's ever tried to you ever tried to minister to somebody at work or whatever, try to show them the gospel, try to show them God, and they're just brick wall? How discouraging is that? It's pretty discouraging, isn't it? Just feel like, there is there nothing I can say to get through to them? Yes and no. Because <laughs> there's nothing you can go to say, there's nothing you're going to say that's going to get through to them if God didn't plan that. And also, what you said to them might have had no effect at the moment. They might just might have seemed like it bounced off. But actually, what it is, it takes time. Steve Rains told me at church camp. Sometimes you plant the seed. Sometimes you're the one who waters it, or sometimes you're the one that gets to see it bloom. And not many times is the same preacher that gets to see all three happen. So it's something that somebody says at some point in time puts the seed in there, and somebody somebody says the next time waters it a little bit. And finally somebody gets to see it finally bloom. (laughs) Sadly for neither Noah or Enoch, neither one of them got to see it bloom. (laughs) And I don't necessarily believe either one of them planted the seed or or poured the water over that that they were preaching. But people later, that's how wonderful God is. Stuff that Noah taught and stuff that Enoch taught transcends thousands of years to believers nowadays that we can still get something out of it. People, that is, that is not a big bang. There is no way you can have texts thousands of years old that still are perfect and affect somebody thousands of years later. That is impossible except or but we have a God Enoch preached and from my appearance nobody received nobody heard it so he like it says in 2nd Chronicles 5-7 we walk by faith and not by sight so he was walking by faith because he saw no fruits in what he was doing it does not appear that anybody was receiving anything that Enoch said. So everything that he did in continually preaching and ministering, he walked by faith because there was no sight in what he saw. But he continued to preach, he continued to prophesy. Like I said with Josh, he could not see where he was going. But he trusted me to get him to the other side. That was Enoch. I was like, what? Because understand this, like i said he was the first so he probably he doesn't have i'm blessed to have both my dad and steve rains and the long list of pastors and preachers i am blessed with enoch did not have this privilege for he was the first so there was not a long line of preachers in front of him or behind him or there was in front of him but not behind him so he was just having to go with the flow that god was giving him because he couldn't take advice from other people He just had the word that God gave him. And that is, in my opinion, and from what I believe scripture teaches, that was the impressive thing about him. That he had no example before him, and he still followed. If you can't see something, it's hard to believe in it. But Enoch had full and total faith in what God was doing. Enoch believed in the Bible where it says he leads besides the still water. Even though that hadn't existed yet, he knew it to be true. He trusted God throughout the path that would take him. I use this example at church camp. I believe everybody here has at least had to watch a kid or has had a kid. And you're walking them. How many times have you got to walk them across the street to Walmart? You park your car, now you got to get them across that strip right there. That all those cards are passing through and you've got to get them to Walmart, okay? So you grab their hand and you want to take them across and how many times do they just nicely walk across? About that many times. I tell you, I haven't had, personally had a kid, but I've had a little sister, okay? And they are the same thing, okay? I'm trying to walk them across the road and they want to go that way or they want to go that way or they want to go that way, they want to go that way, every which way except that way. Who knows why? We might be going in to get them a toy, but they don't know that yet, so they don't want to go in. They want to go every other way because, ooh, look at that, ooh, look at that, and look at that. Once again, it's perfect examples of Christians because what's inside those doors could be a new toy for us. And I hope that they don't seem disrespectful to God, but that's what could be in there for us. We don't know what's in there for us. We're like, ooh, look at that, look at that, look at that, and we want to go all these other ways. And sometimes God is trying to keep us safe, first off. That's the first goal, is to make sure we don't get hit by a car. Okay, that's the rule number one. And then we'll worry about the store when we get there. And sometimes we make it difficult. I know God never has any struggles, but to me, if I was in his place, it would be pretty difficult just to keep me in line, <laughs> let alone every other Christian that's ever walked the face of this earth. He's just trying to guide us through that road with all these cars passing by. That was there <laughs> so we're walking through that and we just have to trust that what's in there is through it and Enoch had that and now quickly I want to talk about where it says that he was translated that he should not see death heard this example so you have a bunch of wood and plastic and metal lying on the ground okay got all that stuff lying on the ground and you turn on a magnet above it well, what's going to happen only the metal is going to come up, right? Okay. So, when we die as Christians, we got all these different things we got going on in our lives. I got this new car. I got this house. I got all these things. And but if God takes us, well, our souls is the only thing to go. That new car did not go. Our body did not go. Just our souls is the only thing that's going to go up with that magnet. Well, Enoch was only metal. That's why it all went. Because there wasn't anything that had to be separated. They didn't have to... Because Enoch wasn't worried about his new car. And he didn't have a new car. He, didn't worry, he wasn't worried about his new chariot. Okay? He wasn't worried about his uh, nice new tint he's got with... Uh, what do you say? Whatever color ceilings you want to put in your mind. He wasn't worried about that. That was all... It wasn't even on his mind. So when the Lord took him... Well, there was no need to leave anything behind. Because all that Enoch was focused on was the things of God. So when that magnet turned on and God translated him, well, the whole thing came right, or wrong, right, right, right along. Because there was nothing needed to be separated. A magnet's never going to pick up any wood. So when you think that, oh, I, I want to I go, ah, my only day off is Sunday. Do I go to the gym or do I go to church? Yeah, if I go to the gym, I'm going to look pretty good. But if I go to church, then my spirit's going to be strengthened. Well, if God magnets you the next day, well, he's not taking your body, so that kind of was a waste of the day. But if he's going to take your soul and take your spirit, then you're strengthened because you went to church. That's the things we've got to think about when we're walking with God and taking our choices to this life. Well, I could tithe, but just so happens if I don't tithe this week, I'll have enough money to buy that new car I was wanting. So I think I'll wait this week. Well, what if God takes you the next day? Well, that car didn't come with you, now did it? So now, you just got to stand before God and explain that, well, if you would have waited till next week, I would have given you your part, and I would have got to ride with the top down. That's not going to go over very well, is it? So you got to be thinking about what's going to happen when that magnet turns on and what are you going to take with you because Enoch left nothing behind because he wasn't worried about anything going with him that's the type of thinking we have to have go back with me now and I'll try to end this quickly because I know you guys got a church meeting and we gotta get to but go back with me to 1st Thessalonians 4 1 Furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus that as ye have received of us how ye ought to walk and to please God, so ye would abound more and more. So we already talked about that, but now we kind of have a better idea of what that means to walk and to please God. So a question I do have for you is what can you think of right now that you could go home and start tomorrow that would get you closer to God? And I promise you most of you is going to be, well, I could probably pray a couple more times a day and I could probably pick up my Bible at least once a week. That, that might help. So you've got to get closer to God in those ways. And I had it wrote down here, but we won't turn there because I don't. we're running out of time. But in Romans chapter 6, it talks about walking in newness of life. Well, if you're walking in newness of life, you're not worried about that new car because that's not what changed about you. Your mind and your focus got changed. Like I said, when, you t- when God takes you, puts you on a 180, and you dis- and you- when you're deciphering through paths and you're like, well, how about I tie this week? That's walking in newness of life because that's a decision that somebody who doesn't believe in God would not understand why you did that. When you say well i could go to the gym because i got a date later this week but you decide to not to because you know it's more important to go to church unbelievers won't understand that that's what it means to walk in newness of life because they don't have that new life they don't understand it they don't understand why i'm possibly on your priority list could be attending three or four services a week be up on that list they don't understand it it doesn't comprehend it doesn't make sense The more time, and I've said this before, but I feel like I cannot stress it enough, the more time you spend in prayer and in the Bible is how it will change the quality of your walk. It really will, and it genuinely does. And if you say, well, I'm not sure about that, well, try it, test it, see what happens. See, if, if you're genuinely reading the Bible every day, and you're praying, and in the Psalms it says morning and evening and at noon, Okay, so at least three times a day. And I also talk about praying when you eat, giving blessing. So three times a day and eating and normally you eat three times a day, so at least six times a day, genuinely talking to God about different things going on in your life. And like he said, you've got two ears, two eyes and one mouth, so you should probably be reading even more than six times a day. If you're doing that continuously, the Lord is going to bless it. I know it sounds. Sometimes it sounds tedious. Like that's a lot of stuff to do. And He didn't do more. You can't say God hasn't done more for you than if you just talked to Him six times a day. He really hasn't done that much for you? That you can't be grateful enough to spend a, at least a fraction of your day focused on Him? I'll close here with this. Enoch lived and walked by faith. And Thessalonians 4, or not, sorry, in Hebrews 6, 11, 6, refers to him being a diligent, re, a diligent rewarder. He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him, sorry. And to me, it's apparent that his reward, they did not have to taste death. You not diligently seek the Lord. I feel confident in saying that. You, your reward will probably not be the same. but you don't have to taste death. Okay. It might be if he comes back before that. But then then again it's not technically your reward, that's just the Lord coming back. But it says if you're a believer, it says if you believe in God Oh well here, let's let's turn there one last time. I'm sorry. Hebrews eleven Verse six But without faith it is impossible to please Him, for he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. So, when you come to Christ and you come to God, rule number one, you've got to believe He's God. To me, I feel like that's a given, though. If you're coming to God, you've got to believe that He's God. All right? <laughs> if you're coming to God and believing that, if you're coming to Christ and believing that Buddha's God, well, that doesn't make very much sense now, does it? Okay, so a rule number one, you've got to believe that He is. Rule number two, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. And diligently seeking Him does not mean to... Okay, well, Sam said I should pray six times a day. So if I map out how many words, uh, maybe I spend ten minutes a whole day. You know, if, you, if you're really trying to focus on how to minimize the time and still meet your requirements, quote-unquote, that is not diligently seeking Him. Okay, When you start praying, do you have a problem with shutting up? Do you start bringing your burdens up to the Lord and you have a problem with going... Or how many times are you late to work because you couldn't stop praying? That doesn't happen very often, that doesn't. But that's the mindset. Now, I'm not saying you should be late for work, but that's the mindset we should have. That it should be hard to stop talking and to stop seeking God. Why? Because you've got to believe that He'll reward it. That's one of the requirements if you come to Him, is you've got to believe that He'll reward you if you seek Him. One of my favorite hymns, turn your eyes upon Jesus, and the things of this earth will grow strangely dim." The word strangely, I believe, is important there and excellently used because you won't even get it. You won't even understand why I'm keeping my focus on him and I'm not even worried about what's back there. It'll become so strange. You won't even understand why that is the case. We walk by faith and not by sight because we can't always see what the Lord is doing. For an example, it was the middle of the night when the Lord parted the Red Sea and Moses lifted up his staff. Sometimes, actually, most of the time, if we're being honest, the Lord hides the plan from us. Because if we get all involved, we're going to mess it up. Because that's just the truth. Because we do that. We do that a lot. <laughs> Believe it or not. You ever try to fix something, and then about 30 minutes later, you're like, if I would have just left that alone, <laughs> that would have worked out just fine. And I really works on cars. Or you ever start getting apart, and you're like, I think if I, if I take that apart, I'm sure I can put it back together, just remove one piece, it'll all be good. And then five hours later, you got the whole engine out and you don't even got a clue what you're doing now. Now you're like, okay, I should have just left that alone. At least it drove to Walmart, okay? I shouldn't have worried about it that much. We have to trust him. And it might clink and it might rattle on the way, but it's still going to get to Walmart. Okay? Because that's just the truth of the matter. I can't help, but when I think of verses where it says that he had a testimony that pleased God, I just think of when it talks about when we get to heaven, he'll say, well done, my good and faithful servant. How awesome do you think it was? when God showed up to Enoch, like, we're going to heaven. You're coming with me. I love you. Let's go. And they go up there, and he tells them, that you had a testimony, that pleased me. How awesome do you think that would be to get to heaven? And God says, you had a testimony that pleased me. Your time on this earth, Was pleasing to me and to my sight. Or either one, if he says either one to me, I'll be so happy. Well done, my good and faithful servant. I pray that I have a testimony that pleases the Lord. And I pray that you leave here with a want and a desire to have a testimony. To serve and to please the Lord. How we ought to walk. And how we ought to please God. And the instruction manual is right here. You have no more information than is required than right here. Everything you need can be found between Galatians and Revelation. No, Genesis, sorry. Sorry. Genesis and Revelation. You have no more information that you need between those two. Pray that's a blessing.